Hello, everyone. Welcome to a post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is Sunday night. Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are sitting in Baltimore in the press box here. It's about 9 o'clock, a few hours after the Browns win a dramatic game over the Ravens. 33-31, their first win in Baltimore since 2019. They are now 6-3 and three on the season. They're a half game back of the Ravens in the division, uh, all even in the loss column. A huge week coming up for the AFC North. Baltimore is going to host Cincinnati. actually drove by the Thursday night football trucks on my way here. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. <laughs> Baltimore is going to host Cincinnati on Thursday night, and then the Browns are hosting the Steelers on Sunday. So this division could look dramatically different a week from today. But let's focus on today, and I think we have to start with Deshaun Watson. You know, Mary Kay, this game started as poorly as it could have for Deshaun. The first half was bad. I mean, we were watching his rating climb from like 0 to 9 to 20. And then he leaves the game before halftime with an ankle injury. It looked like um, he did leave the, the post-game press conference with a boot on his left foot. So we'll keep an eye on that this week. But then the second half, I mean, that's that's the Deshaun Watson, right? That's the guy that you went out you traded three first-round picks for. You gave him the, an unprecedented contract. That's what you do it for, for a performance like that in, in the second half from your starting quarterback. Oh, absolutely, 100%. And even teammates were saying something to that effect, <laughs> like Greg Newsom. this is why we're paying him all this money. Jadavian Clowney said the same thing in the Ravens locker room. This is what they're paying him for. And that really is the truth of the matter. This is why they went out and got him. And you know what? He felt a huge responsibility to come back in that second half and pull his team up off the mat and carry this team to a victory. There was no way he was coming out of that football game, even though it seemed like uh, he might not be able to make it back in the second half. He wasn't right out there at the very beginning with the rest of his teammates, and then he came bounding back, jogging out. There he was, and uh, he got started with a 17-play touchdown drive, and it just kind of went on from there all the way through a game-winning field goal drive at the end. Yeah, it wasn't always like spectacular. Like it wasn't amazing throw after amazing throw. But uh, on the two drives at the end, the touchdown drive that pulled him within seven, and then the field goal drive, Ashley, it was just you know consistently finding open guys. He did make one really great throw to Amari Cooper that I remember. I mean, the Elijah Moore touchdown was it was a really nice play that he made with his legs. So I'm not saying he didn't make nice plays, but it wasn't like just spectacular throw after spectacular throw. But this is what you needed out of him. For him to go 14 of 14 in the second half and do what he did today, it's a reminder that, A, football games are really long, especially Browns games this season. They're really long. And if you can figure it out in the second half, you can still go win it. And for, for him to do that, again, that's why you have him. That's why you went through all this. Yeah, you know, I think it's crazy even on that last drive. You know, he gets the strip sack. Thank Goodness for them, Wyatt Teller recovers it. I mean, that was lucky. And in real time, they're facing second and 19, and it's like, eh, like that's not the best position you want to be in. But then immediately after that strip sack, it's like he just bounced back. He gets Amari Cooper for that 17-yard pass. They get gets him to 39. Then it's the two-minute warning. And then he scrambles for 16 yards despite having this hurt ankle and gets them into Baltimore territory. Like, I mean, those were big-time plays that a big-time quarterback's got to make, and he made them. So even in the microcosm of that last drive, it's like he did what he needed to do. And I, 
you know, like this was sort of like the no excuses game, right? Coming into this, like he was back. I know you didn't have your tackles. I know, I know there were certainly some, some things you could have found to make excuses for, but I think a lot of Browns fans were looking at this Mary Kay as like the no excuses game for Deshaun. Like you've got to go to Baltimore and you got to win a football game. Like this is why you're here. Like I've said over and over again, like you said, I mean, this is why you're here. You've got to go win this game. And so for him to actually do it, I, th- I mean, I think you said it best. I think this is a weight off of everybody. Like, and you could you could see it. You could sense it in the locker room. We were standing outside in the hallway watching Browns people come in and out of the locker room, players, coaches, owners. Like, they were, I think, a huge burden was just lifted off of everybody with this football game and that performance specifically from Deshaun. Oh, absolutely. Biggest victory, obviously, for Deshaun Watson in his Browns career so far. Everybody's been waiting for this moment. Everybody's been writing him off. I mean, people have written him off left and right. Uh, We've all heard it. And, you know, his teammates never did. They knew how tough he was, how good he was, and that, that he was built for games like this. And, you know, this really was a prove it, prove it moment for him. I mean, he had to have this. That's, that is one of the reasons, probably the main reason, uh, you know, why I picked them to win this game. Because I thought, you know what, like, what's it all for if you can't go out and, and win a game like this? Like, why did you do this? Why did you put your fan base through this if he's not good enough to go out there and outplay Lamar Jackson and put a team on his back and win the game. That's what you have Patrick Mahomes do. That's what Lamar sometimes does or often does. That's what Josh Allen does. That's what the best quarterbacks in the NFL do. That's what Tom Brady always did, right? I mean, you don't spend $230 bucks so that you can let your defense always save the day. That's not how this is supposed to work. And, you know, I thought it was incumbent upon him to go out and prove to everybody who he was, what he is, and where he's going to take this team. Yeah, and I think, like, even if his teammates still had his back, and, and you know, again, I'm sure they did, but they're human beings in that locker room. They, you know, they need to see it too. And, like, that trust needs to get built up. And, you know, obviously he comes with that history that, you, you know, a lot of these guys probably watched him at Clemson and they saw what he could do in Houston and all that, but it had been a little while. And, you know, though I'm sure the whole shoulder thing was stressful for these guys. I'm sure that like, he said, Oh, okay. The game starts with a pick six, you know, we're in a 14, nothing hole. So I'm not saying that in a way of like guys wavered on him or stopped believing in him. But again, like these, these are human beings in that locker room and that stuff can wear you down. So I think even for them, Ashley, for this to happen and for him to play like that, Again, you could just tell it was a weight off of everyone. Yeah, it's like a vibe check, right? And, like, <laughs> I don't know if it was because the the Ravens visitor locker room, no oh joke. I mean, I have been in, in bigger high school locker rooms <laughs> than how big this locker room is. It is very tiny. So when we're, like, all crammed in there and we're trying to talk to these guys, like, it feels like you're in it. You know what I mean? And it just felt different than any locker room that we, we've been in in the past with this team. And how, you know, you genuinely, I think, could feel that, like with them, you felt that tension gone and that guys were just, you know, freer from whatever, you know what I mean? It just, it 
definitely was tangible in the way and how excited they were and the talking and the joking and the music playing. Like this team hasn't been in a position to do that very often the last like, you know, really 2020 was a good year. They overperformed expectations. But the last two years were just like brutal down the stretch of these seasons as they kind of limped and tried to finish 500 and couldn't do it. It just all feels so like so much relief for especially from these guys who have been here the last few years. Okay, so Mary Kay, where does this go from here for for Deshaun Watson? Uh, because welcome to the AFC North. Now you got to turn around and play a Pittsburgh team that I don't know how they're winning games, but they're winning games, and they beat this team again in the same way they win games. They got outgained. They seem to have gotten outplayed the whole time, and then clock hits zero, and the Steelers have more points than you somehow. This is going to be a really tough game, and the Steelers are going to be ready for this moment. Like, they know what's on the line. By then, it could be the Browns and Steelers playing for first place, depending on what happens Thursday night. So, I guess, what's the next step now for Deshaun Watson? Because this was obviously a big one. But you don't want to go backwards. You don't want this to feel like an outlier. You want this to continue. So, I guess, what are your expectations for Deshaun moving forward? With, of course, the knowledge that he might be dealing with some kind of injury this week, too. Yeah, I I think that, you know, the expectations are now he's got to follow this up with another enormous victory against the 6-3 and Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, that's not going to be easy. Like you just said, they are an incredibly well-coached team. They're a good team. They're very talented. They've got really two really good edge rushers, and that's going to be a huge challenge when your tackles are not there for you or – you know, not at 100%. So we don't know if Dewan Jones is going to be able to play. We know Jed's not going to play. So you're, once again, going to be down to your fourth and fifth tackle options for the season. And I think that's even going to be more challenging next week against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith than it was this week. Those edge rushers are better than the Ravens' edge rushers. So I think that's going to be really, really tough. But the, you know... It's incumbent upon Deshaun Watson now to come home to Cleveland Brown Stadium where they're playing really, really well and to go out and to beat the Steelers, to plant their flag in the AFC North and say, we're taking this thing. This is ours. We're taking it. And we are not turning back. And I'm starting to really sense a belief on this football team that they can win it all. I mean, Ashley, this is going back to the vibe check thing. Like, this is a moment, right? Like, because after this, they go to Denver, they go to L.A., they play Jacksonville. They don't play another division game until the end of the season. Um, and they don't really play a truly huge game probably until that Jacksonville game. Um, but you've got a chance here where you, like Mary Kay said, they're coming into your stadium. You've got a chance to, to say, we deserve to win this division. We're the best team in this division. This is sort of a moment here. And that's when you expect your franchise quarterback to, again, rise to that occasion. I definitely think so. And like, even last night, you know, we were talking (laughs) before the game about how a lot of times in the NFL, like teams will lose games they're not supposed to, right? Like there's maybe one of those a year or per team. So if you can steal one against a team that is above you in the division rankings, it's obviously, it's a division game, so it counts for two, as guys always say, because they lose one, you win one, you're in more control of the standings. Um, it's, It's a big moment. I think it's a big confidence booster. And I think, like, with each passing game, especially, I know we were talking about Deshaun, obviously, but especially this defense, like, you see that confidence build and build and build. And they're like, 
well, we get ourselves out of all these predicaments all the time and make things less bad when it seems like all hope is lost. And today you have them trailing at by like 14, 15 at one point. They're trailing by 14 in the fourth quarter. And they're just like, yeah, okay, we're just going to go out and get a stop. And even like Greg Newsome gets his amazing pick six, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Dustin Hopkins misses a field goal. They're down by one, which like it's kind of like you have this big, you know, adrenaline moment and then it's kind of deflating because you miss the extra point but all those defensive guys were like yeah we were just like we're just gonna go out and do what we just did like they weren't really bothered by it and I think like you're seeing that confidence build and it's really impressive when you remember how many of these guys they had to go out and get how many pieces and parts of this defense are new too okay let's take a break and then we're gonna hit on some of the other key moments key players from this win on Sunday the Browns first win in Baltimore since 2019 Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. There's so many places we could go here, but let's start. Let's talk Greg Newsom. Got his first career interception. It was a huge one, a pick six off Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter. Uh, Deshaun had just thrown that touchdown to Elijah Moore to pull the Browns within 31 24. Uh, second down and eight. Lamar Jackson looking for Patrick Ricard. Newsom intercepts it off a tipped ball from, Oko- from Oboe Garanquo. Returns at 34 yards for a touchdown. Again, his first career interception. Uh, Mary Kay, it has been, I think it's fair to say it's been a little up and down for Greg Newsom since he got here. There's been great moments. There's been not so great moments. He's been unhappy with his role. He seems to be accepting his role now. He maybe wasn't going to play in this game, but he ended up playing in this game and had to play more than he expected because Denzel Ward got hurt. Uh, but really, you know, again, just that vibe check. If <laughs> He seemed super happy in the locker room to be talking about finally getting an interception and for it to be that big in that moment. Um, as Kevin Stefanski said, that was awesome. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was uh... – it, it was really great for Greg, and, you know, he battled back uh, to play in this game from a groin injury, never had that interception before. Uh, you know, he's really put on, uh, you know, a happy face this season and embraced his role as the nickel cornerback, and, you know, he's, he's really had a, a tremendous attitude, and so it was wonderful to see him come up big like this in, a, in the biggest game of the season and, you know, to finally make one of those tremendous game-changing plays that can make or break you. I mean, they don't win the game without that play. So, I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal for him. Or they probably don't win the game without that play. But it was absolutely phenomenal for Greg. Uh, again, good for him. He didn't even know if he was going to be able to play probably until yesterday. And, um, you know, it was just a really, really nice play. I mean, he was, th- you know, he was at the right place in the right time. I haven't seen it over again, but I heard it went off. Obo's helmet? I I think it was hard for me to tell. I mean, did you get a look at it, Ash? Obo didn't really say. No, Obo didn't say. So I'm not sure if it went off his helmet or if like he just got a <laughs> hand on it. No, Obo was very motivated on that play because he thought he should have had a face mask call the play before. Mm. So he said he went into that play just thinking, I am going to push this tackle right into Lamar. And that's what he did. He didn't say tackle, though. I, no. I read the transcript. He did not say tackle. <laughs> he used some much more colorful language when I talked to him. But I'm I'm keeping this so that we don't get an explicit rating on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Mary Kay, like for Greg, 
Look, I, I don't know what the future ultimately holds for Greg. There's so many cornerbacks in that room. It keeps, keeps getting more crowded. But I think it was very telling they elevated A.J. Green from the practice squad. Like, that tells you how iffy it was that Greg was maybe going to play in this game or how much he was going to play. So just a lot there for Greg to, to play a lot more than he expected and to make that play. And Denzel Ward was out yeah. with a neck injury at that time. And Juan Thornhill was out, I, it, too. Yeah, that's true. So they needed a veteran cornerback or a veteran defensive back to really step up in that big moment and make that play. And I think that the Browns' defense, we had talked to a number of these guys all week about how they felt about going up against this other you know, amazing defense in the NFL. The number two defense, the one that uh, was number one in points allowed, number one in sacks, and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, pride was on the line. I don't care what anybody says. Some of them downplayed it a little bit. Some of them were willing to admit how big it was for them. But I think they wanted uh, to go out and prove what they have told the whole world they are, and that is the best defense in the NFL. And Greg had a big hand in, in helping to prove that today. Well, and here's the thing, like it's it's not always going to be we're going to hold you to 58 yards, right? It, it's not always going to look like that. And you look at the final numbers, the Ravens had, where's their total yards here? 306 yards. Which I did look up and that, that still is, like you say, Dan, on the surface, it doesn't look like a good number, but that's still the fourth worst net yardage that they've had in a single game this year. And like, it puts it into perspective when you remember that they had 515 yards of offense last week <laughs> against the Seahawks, right? Like, sometimes these numbers, these well, all the time, these numbers do not exist in a vacuum. Right. And, you know, they gave up a couple big plays. They gave up the big run to go down 14 nothing. They gave up the Odell play um, that, that was pretty bad. But... Sometimes great defense is about you just got to make the right play at the right time. So you had the Miles Garrett one and a half sacks on back-to-back plays. Greg Newsom, no, that was actually the one he split with JOK. Greg Newsom did have a half sack today too, though, for the record. Um, but you know, you had the Miles Garrett back-to-back sacks, uh, and then you have the Greg Newsom play, and, and it's just things like that. Sometimes if you're not just completely shutting a team down, sometimes it is just about making that right play at the right time. And I'll add another one to that because it allows us to talk about another key moment, which is the Jordan Elliott blocked field goal in the second quarter, which like, of course, I think those plays happen and they sort of rile a team up, right? But I think it was really important that play came after they made like a big special teams error. They had two, they had ended the drive, essentially. The Ravens were going to punt on fourth and seven from the Cleveland 41, but then they got a penalty for having too many men on the field, which seemed reminiscent of issues they had last year. I don't know where it came from. Um, So then fourth and two, the Ravens decided to go for it, because why not? They Dalvin at Tomlinson actually sacks Lamar Jackson at that point, uh, but then they get called for a holding penalty. I think that one was on Martin Emerson, and like the drive just kind of had new life. So then they finally force them to kick a field goal. Jordan Elliott just lunges forward, gets that big right mitt on the kick. It's the second block kick he's had in his career. The other one also came against Justin Tucker. Um, Awok recovers the ball and can't, can't return it for a touchdown, which his teammates were giving him a lot of grief about. But it is those moments like that. I know Kevin Stefanski referenced that moment too, that it's, it's not always going to be perfect, but you have moments like that. You're able to hang around just long enough to really execute when it matters. Yeah, the Jordan Elliott block, Mary Kay, that was, I mean, that's twice now that he's blocked Justin. He's the Justin Tucker stopper, as we called him in in our video. In my story that I'm currently writing, 
I said he's worthy of a new nickname, perhaps the Justin Tucker <laughs> antidote. So it's the one that I pitch. So we'll see. Right. But it is guys like Mary Kate's guys like Jordan Elliott who have found new life this year. You know, I think Greg Newsom probably fits in that category too. Just some of these guys who seemed lost in whatever the Browns were doing last year defensively, whether it was their own making or Joe Woods' fault or whoever's fault it was, they just seemed lost. And now they've sort of found this new life. And Jordan Elliott, who's been playing well defensively, makes one of the biggest plays in this game. Yeah, it it was really big because, I mean, it was a, a turn of events there. Instead of the Ravens going up 20 to 6, that enabled the Browns to close within 17 to 9 at the half. And so that kept things close. At 20 to 6, you're going to be behind the eight ball, right? Like you're going to have a hard time coming back from that. But from uh, 17 to 9, you're starting to get pretty close there. So that was really, really big. It was a a great way uh, for them to... Uh, you know, to go into this, uh, into halftime like that. And then, of course, uh, you know, they got the interception there at the end of of the half. So they just kind of kept it going. And they just started forcing the Ravens into mistakes after they built those leads of 14 nothing, 17, you know, 17 to 3, and then it, you know, and so on and so on. But they, they just hung in there and collectively made one big play after another. Yeah, they just never panicked. You know, when you're down 14 nothing, it's easy to think nothing's going your way. Your defense lets up a big play. It was a pick six and all that. Like, it, it can go really badly for you. But they, and, you know, offensively, they were settling for field goals and they weren't, it was just, it was tough, but they never wavered and they never, you know, that resiliency has been the word of, of the season, I think, for this football team. Just being resilient, not panicking kind of just staying in the moment and kind of waiting for things to go their way because that's that's sort of what happened today. Now, another guy that we got to talk about is Dustin Hopkins because he he went from making one of the worst plays of the day to making the game-winning play, and that was, of course, the missed field goal at, or the missed extra point, I should say, after Greg Newsom's interception return would have tied the game. Instead, they're down a point. The defense steps up, and they set up uh, Dustin Hopkins for a 40-yard kick. At this point, Ashley, I don't know where we rank Dustin Hopkins in the Browns offseason acquisitions, but just everyone involved deserves credit for, first of all, being willing to admit a mistake and move on from Cade York, and then secondly, to identify this guy who lost a kicking battle to a really good kicker who I don't know if he's even missed a kick in his career. He probably has at this point, but he, <laughs> he lost a kicking battle to a really good kicker and finding value there and bringing this guy in, and he's completely stabilized this kicking game. Yeah, I mean, for those that don't know, he specifically lost the kicking battle to Cameron Dicker, Dicker the Kicker, as his nickname developed last year um, out in L.A. And, you know, I think he he got stuck out there kind of like between, it was just like bad timing almost, because he was hurt last year, and that's kind of what started this ascent for a rookie kicker, and then he loses the kicking battle. So I definitely think he's an underrated acquisition. But again, I mean, I think when we just see him in these big moments, it shows the value of having a veteran kicker who's been, you know, been around the block a few times, not much intimidates them, not much gets in their head. 
Um, I think kicking is probably, I, I mean, you can make an argument for it's the most mental position on a football team. Maybe quarterback beats it, but it certainly is, I would say, as much mental as it is physical. He handles that really well. And then for whatever reason, Tim and Bubba Ventrone, I think, have just been a really good match. And they've all been able to sort of unlock something with him and, you know, not so much in this game, but we've really seen him come out of his shell, so to speak, with these 50-plus yard attempts, which are huge when a team can get them. Um, And like the Ravens have seen this year, like Justin Tucker was one of four on 50-yard attempts this year coming into today. Um, Really like an anomaly in his career. But those kicks are hard to make, and he's made them. Uh, Cameron Dicker has missed two kicks in his career. So there we go. Perfect on extra points. So again, he didn't lose the kicking battle because he was bad. He lost the kicking battle to a guy, another guy who's really good, who's younger and cheaper, and he was an undrafted free agent. And so, I mean, again, credit to Andrew Barry for saying, we're not going to wait around and just sign somebody off the scrap heap. We're going to go make a trade, use one of these draft assets, and, and bring bring in Dustin Hopkins, and it's it's been a home run. Yeah, it's it's been a huge acquisition for them, and in some ways – Um, could probably mean the difference between going to the playoffs and not going to the playoffs. Because if you have a kicker that can go out there and win games for you, that's probably going to happen a couple of times in a season. And today was one of those times. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers know what it's like to lose a game on a 41-yard field goal at the end of the game to the Cleveland Browns. It happens, and it could have happened today. But he pulled it together. And here's, here's the thing. This was not overall a good special teams performance, right? I mean, you had the muffed punt by James Prochet. I mean, I was going to say he finally made a, a play for the Ravens. He used to be with. He used oh to. He used to be. Wow. A, <laughs> <laughs> Weird chaos singers on this post game pod. But um, so you know, so there was that. There was the missed extra point, the first one for Dustin Hopkins, and what an extra point miss it was, right? I mean, it could have cost them the game. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It easily could have cost them the game. I mean, they had to pull themselves together and, and really rally from that, and the defense had to get the stop, and then they had to come down there and beat another really good defense to get in position for that field goal. So, you know, it was just incredible the way that all happened. Um, but, you know, he did. He saved an otherwise sort of dismal performance by the special teams. Well, the, here's the quote from Dustin Hopkins. Uh, I feel a bit like an arsonist that put out his own fire and then gets a pat on the back. So, I mean, I thought, I thought that was perfect. And it was very, we, we don't know Dustin Hopkins great yet, but from what we have sort of learned, he's a pretty quiet, humble guy. Like, he doesn't doesn't toot his own horn very much, no. Ashley. I mean, he's he's very different, that's for sure, from, from what Cade York was. Yeah, yeah, I think, like, that was part of maybe the draw to Cade that the Browns had was he was a bit, you know, he had that sort of moxie coming out of college or whatever. But there is something to be said about, you know, an older guy who, I'd call him older, I think we're probably close <laughs> to the same age. He's older by NFL standards, right? He's older than Cade, who was 21. Um that is a veteran and again who just just kind of come and and go about his work and they've seemed very willing to work with him you know he he talked with me after that Colts game um that the week after about how when he got here 
you know, Bubba Ventrone was like adamant about, well, what do you want to work on today? And Bubba's talked about that, that that's, he likes to give his guys that sort of freedom when they've earned it. And Dustin's definitely earned it throughout his career. Um, but Bubba, this is where it comes in handy that Bubba's was a special teamer. You know, he knows what these guys are going through. He's walked in their shoes. And I think it's earned a lot of like reciprocal respect almost, but yeah, can I just add though to Dustin Hopkins' point? There, that is as a true crime podcast listener, that is a real <laughs> phenomena of arsonists who put out their own fires and, and want the glory. So, Dustin did not obviously do that on purpose, but it is interesting because it is a true phenomenon. Look it up if you're interested to learn more. Well, who knew? Yeah. Okay, there we go. You learn something new every day on uh, on Orange and Brown Talk. Real quick. Spin this forward. We did a little bit with Deshaun Watson um, as, as well. But just, again, just to put this in perspective, the week ahead for the AFC North, uh, I'm going to take a second here and pull up because I tweeted out the standings, and that's the easiest way for me to find them here. Um, so essentially what we have is two AFC North games this week, starting on Thursday night when the, Brown, when the Bengals travel here where we are now to face uh, the Ravens. So the Ravens are seven and three. The Bengals are five and four. The Steelers and Browns are both six and three right now. Pittsburgh has the tiebreaker over the Browns, and there's two AFC North games. Mary Kate, there is a scenario where this this week is over, and we're sitting doing a post game pod on Sunday night at Brown Stadium, and the Browns are in first place. What what are you expecting out of this week? Like what? I mean, I mean, this is probably one of the most exciting weeks in recent Browns fans' memories right here oh, coming up. It really is. I mean, the you know the Bengals, they're going to need a gut check because they had one is force. Is it, wait, is it a, a vibe is check? Is it a must? Oh, is no, no, no. Okay. No, 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 not going there. Um, but they uh, just, they lost today. At, who did they lose to again today? Texans. They lost to Which? the Texans. By the way, that Christmas yeah. Eve game is getting a little oh, bit yeah. trickier by the week. Right. So they, they lost today to the Texans after winning four straight games to pull themselves, uh, you know, up off the mat, really. And so they're going to have a tremendous gut check to come in here. I almost have to wonder if the Browns didn't sort of break the Ravens a little bit today in the same way that they seem to have broken the 49ers. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Because if they did do that, then things are going to get really bunched up and interesting. Uh, I think the Browns are going to have so much to prove against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They know that they cannot come here into Baltimore and win an enormous game like this and then come home in front of their home fans and lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They know they can't do that. They can't do it. And I don't think they will do it. I think they're, I'm going to call it right now, uh-oh. Calling it. Okay. I was just thinking this. Calling it. They're going to beat the Steelers on Sunday. They're, they're going to. They cannot ride this high and then just come back to the pack. They can't do it. They've got to keep the pedal to the metal. That's what this is about. This football team is on a mission. And if you're on that kind of a mission, then you got to keep it going. You can't lose at home to the Steelers. You already lost to the Steelers in Pittsburgh. You're not going to lose the Steelers at home. Dan, it's not happening. <laughs> I, that's, fu- that's fine. If you want to make your pick on Sunday, <laughs> no, you Mary, can make your pick on Sunday. Mary Kay is on to something, and we, like, have ESPN or something. Because I was sitting here thinking, 
I wish we could just pick this game now because <laughs> I would pick the Browns. I don't know a score yet. I'm not ready to, but I'm calling it now. There's, I don't know what would make me change my mind between now and Thursday that would make me not pick against the Browns. I decided last week I was going to pick up against the Browns this week because I was going to pick against. I was going to pick them next week to beat the Steelers, and if they were going to split two division games, I thought that was the more likely outcome. So, I like their chances right now. I don't make picks on Sunday nights, <laughs> but Mike Tomlin is an underdog. I don't know. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna be the Browns aren't gonna blow out the Steelers. I mean, this is gonna be a, a dog fight. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. <laughs> I was just gonna say we don't go to thrift stores either, but <laughs> we make picks on Sunday, yeah. and we don't go to thrift stores. Um, but I really do believe that. Um, that this team is is on such a mission, and they have something special going on. And when you're there with this team every single day, you can just kind of feel and see the swagger. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what, at at down 14-0 and down 17-3, I, I didn't feel too good about my pick. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, you're going to look really bad. I thought, I mean, this had the makings of a 40 to something blowout, didn't it? Yeah. And then they just got their act together. And now they know they can't let it go. They've, they've got to, they've got to keep this train chugging along. Well, and to me, that's how you kind of know that this team might be different because we've watched plenty of games in this stadium where things have gone the Browns way. I mean, Ashley, you reference it all the time, that four interception game in whatever year it was, 2021. They should have won that game. Lamar yeah. was terrible in that game, and they lost it. And so we've seen games where things go their way, and they come into the stadium, and they leave with a loss, and it crushes their season. So this could be a sign that like maybe this team really is different. And maybe it's just as simple as they have a franchise quarterback. I don't know. Yeah. But like we might look back on this game and say, this is when it happened. This is when we knew they were different. And I think it's like funny because each of the last two years, we look back on the games here, like you're referencing and we're like, well, this is when the wheels started coming off because it was when the, you know, you kind of saw the defense getting closer to being publicly disgruntled after forcing four interceptions and uh, often still not being able to do anything and still not being able to beat Lamar. And last year, of course, it was the screaming in the locker room and it was Jadavian Clowney refusing to play on anything other than third down after Chris Kiffin begged him to play on third downs and he went and did it. Um, And the wheels started to come off there. And by the end of the season, it was just, they were all the way off. It was no hope left. Um, so it, it will be interesting, I think. There, there is just something about playing the Ravens here and when these games have fallen on the schedule the last couple of years, all those times they've fallen, like, what week are we in right now? Ten. So they've fallen between, yeah. like, weeks, like, eight and 13. Like, they, they really have kind of fallen at that midpoint in the schedule for them. So it's kind of like when turning points can happen, too. Yeah, and look, we'll keep an eye on this. This might be a battle of attrition here. The Browns have already had their bye week. They started, a couple guys got banged up, so we'll see how that goes. But if they're able to stay healthy on that defensive side, who knows? Who knows where this team could end up? We could be working well past January 7th. (laughs) 
Which is good, though. That's a good yeah, thing. We've talked exciting. about it. We'd much rather be covering football games than the draft in, in the middle of January or other things. Um, okay, that will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The Browns 33-31 to 31 winners over the weight, over the, wow, over the <laughs> Ravens in dramatic fashion here in Baltimore. It is getting later and later, so we're going to wrap it up there. Just make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, the same place you listen to Ashley's little two true crime podcasts. Uh, find us on Instagram, search Orange or Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. And become a football insider subscriber to Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.